Hey friends, this is Tina Turner. Thanks for tuning in today to the More Precious Than Gold podcast, where we will examine God's Word each episode and find that it is trustworthy, true, and always more precious than gold. In our last episode, we began a new series called Let's Ponder the Psalms. We're going to stay here all summer in the book of Psalm and just glean from it all of the rich truths that it has to offer us. I told you that the book of Psalm is full of emotion, raw and real feelings that are poured out before God. And that is exactly what we're going to be pondering in this episode. You know, emotions and feelings are real, but that doesn't mean that they're always true. Feelings do not always give us a true assessment of our situation. Feelings can be fickle. They can be capricious and they change and they're not consistent. They can also deceive us and lead us to compromise or even lead us astray. And then we're governed by our emotions and our feelings and not truth. You know, we cannot trust feelings. We must trust truth instead. We must find truth in God's word. And we must learn to rehearse that truth in our thinking instead of rehearsing our feelings. Think about the last time you felt unloved or forgotten about or overwhelmed, angry, just extremely angry or desperate. Did you rehearse things like this? Well, you know, no one really loves me. No one understands. I just feel invisible. I just can't believe that this is happening to me. I can't believe what they said, or I can't believe what they did, or what am I even going to do? We just rehearse these things that ignite our emotions over and over in our thinking instead of rehearsing the truth of God's word. If we rehearse truth in our minds, our emotions will follow that truth. Let me say that again. I think that's really important for us to see as we look into these two chapters that we're going to be looking at today. If we rehearse truth in our minds, our emotions will follow that truth. Our feelings will change and will guide our emotions to follow what is true and genuine. And there's an incredible illustration of this in Psalm 42 and 43. So go to your Bible and meet me right back here and we'll study this lesson together. As we begin our lesson, let's set the context. So 42 and 43 of Psalms should really go together. 43 is actually just a continuation of 42. And most commentators agree that David authored this Psalm when his son Absalom had defected and was in rebellion against David's kingdom. David was heartbroken and he was in a very desperate situation. So as we begin chapter 42, verses 1 and 2, let's see what David says about his situation. He says, As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? When our lives are in a difficult place, we long for God, don't we? We long for God to meet us right where we are, to help us and to rescue us. We long for the peace and the comfort that only God can offer. And as we see here, and we're going to see throughout this psalm, David is actually going to be speaking to himself, sometimes speaking to himself 
about how difficult his situation is and other times speaking to himself about how he needs to put his hope in God and he needs to change his thinking. And that's exactly what we do. We rehearse either how desperate we are or we rehearse what God can do about it. But there's really not room for both of those things in our thinking at the same time, is there? Look at verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. My people say to me all day long, where is your God? And isn't that just like people who do not know God? When we call out to God in a desperate situation and he doesn't answer immediately, people, especially people that mock God, assume that God will not answer They assume that God is nowhere to be found. Some of them maybe even assume there is no God. And verses 4 through 6 will go on. These things I remember, he says, as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan. He feels totally cut off from God. Places that are listed here in this psalm are far from the house of God, far from the temple where he worships God, and he longs to be back in that safe place to worship God. Have you ever felt far away from God? It's a desperate feeling, isn't it? And that's what we see here as David says things like this. Why, why, oh my soul, are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? He's acknowledging his brokenness and he's pouring out his heart before God. And he goes on describing what that feels like. In verse seven, he says, deep calls to deep and the roar of the waterfalls, all the waves And breakers have swept over me. Wow, it sounds like he's plunged into the depths of despair. He's depressed and he's overwhelmed by what he's feeling. Deep calls to deep. He's deeply in a depression and in a place where he feels like waterfalls and waves are breaking over him and just sweeping him away. Look at verse 8. By day, the Lord directs his love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my faults, as, excuse me, as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, again, where is your God? Here. In spite of his feelings, he begins talking honestly with God. He bears his soul out before God. Why have you forgotten me? Now, perhaps this is a bit dramatic because he knows that God has not forgotten him. But when you're feeling like this, it's difficult to remember the goodness of God unless you're rehearsing the goodness of God in your thinking. We have to confess it and remind ourselves that even when our life seems to be falling apart, God is still good. We are still his children, and he still loves us with an everlasting love. Look at how his feelings begin to change as he speaks to God about what he's feeling. His emotions even come into check, and his feelings line up with the truth of God's word. 
Verse 11, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will praise him, my Savior and my God. He tells himself right in the middle of this desperate feeling, this feeling of being downcast. He is talking to himself and rehearsing the goodness of God. I have hope, and I must put my hope in God. I will praise him. He is my Savior and my God. And that's really where things begin to turn around. Now, his circumstances do not turn around. His circumstances don't change. They stay the same, but his feelings and his emotions change. Watch what happens when his focus is on God and what he thinks God can do about it. Psalm 43 And we're going to read verses 1 through 4. Vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you, O God, my God. Look, he begins here petitioning God for what he needs. He begins petitioning God for help. He says, vindicate me. In fact, God, I want you to be the one that pleads my case. Be my advocate. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. Why must I continue to mourn? In that, I just almost feel like he's saying, God, stop it. Just make it stop. Send me some relief. Haven't we ever prayed prayers like that before? Of course we have. And then he says, I love this part. Send me your light and send me your faithful care. I don't want to be led by feelings or emotion. I don't want to be led by the darkness of despair and depression. I want to be led by your light. Lead me, lead me with your care and with your light. I just love that. Send your faithful care to me. And then he says, help them to lead me to this holy place, to this place where you dwell. Take me to the place where you dwell, God. I don't want to know anything other than your presence. I want to know your presence. Look, no matter what our circumstances are, when we are in the presence of God, our perspective changes. We change. Our feelings change. Our emotions change. David was longing for God. And once he got into the presence of God, his whole attitude changed. God becomes our focus and we can't help but praise him. Look at what verse 5 says. My soul, why are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God for I will yet Praise him, my Savior and my God. He comes full circle and ends up saying this. Look, why am I downcast at all? Why am I being so disturbed? I don't need to do that because I have a place where I can put my hope in this living, strong, powerful God. I can put my hope there. And yet, even now, even still in the midst of where I am, I will praise him, my Savior and my God. What David is showing us here is that when we focus on God and what he can do, it changes our perspective and our emotions and our feelings. We do not have to be controlled by them. 
Let's not use excuses for our emotions. Let's not even give that a place in our life. Let's know that when we are in a desperate place and our feelings seem to be out of control, the best place to run is the presence of God. We must run to the resources that God offers us. Expressing our feelings to God will stop our runaway emotions. We can throw or cast our feelings upon him. In fact, the New Testament tells us that we can cast our cares upon God because he cares for us. We can be honest about the way we feel. Look how honest David is before him. He's begging God to not feel so downcast anymore, isn't he? He's saying, I don't want to mourn any longer. I don't want to feel like this anymore. I want to be in your presence. I want my hope to be in you. And I want to be led by your light. And I want to be led by your tender, loving care. You made me, right? God is the one who made us. He redeemed us and he understands us. Hebrews tells us, that Jesus is our sympathetic high priest and he understands the depths of our hearts. He knows how to comfort us like no one else. Feelings cannot be trusted because they change, but God can always be trusted. And you don't have to allow your emotions to control you. We can be controlled by the Spirit of God and we can practice self-control. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5, there's a list of the fruit of the Spirit. And one of those things in the list, when we are empowered by the Spirit of God, we have self-control. We do not have to be governed by our emotions or our feelings. We can't excuse or justify our actions when they're based on feelings and, and emotions only. So think about this. When is the last time your emotions were out of control? And I think about this. When my emotions are out of control, who do I pour them out on? Wow, right? We pour them out on people in our family. We pour them out on coworkers. If we're driving down the road, we pour them out in road rage against the person next to us. We don't have to live like that. We don't have to live like women governed by fickle emotions. We can be women that are governed by the truth of God. What emotion do you have the hardest time controlling? maybe anger, fear, anxiety, my suggestion would be this. You find verses in God's word that go with that feeling or that emotion and see what God's word says about it. Meditate on those verses, learn those verses, ponder those verses. And the next time those feelings are bubbling up within you, you can claim God's word instead. I'll give you some examples. For anger, when you feel that anger bubbling up, you could quote something like this from James 1.19. Lord, instead of feeling this anger, I want to be slow to anger. I want to be driven by your spirit and not by this anger within me. Help me, Lord, not to be angry. Help me to be slow to anger and consider the truth of the whole situation. Maybe you're someone that's sometimes governed by fear. Well, think about Psalm 34. The psalmist here says that he delivers me from all my fear. Not some of it, not a part of it. All of my fear that God can deliver me from all of my fear. And that's the verse I want to quote when I am just downcast with fear. 
Psalm 56 says this, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. Instead of trusting and trying to manipulate or scheme our way out of a difficult situation, we've got to run to God and trust him. And for anxiety, there's lots of places that we can land. But a couple of my favorite are this. Matthew chapter 6 says, do not worry. Do not worry. Jesus spends a whole portion of Matthew chapter 6 reminding us not to worry because tomorrow may be even worse than today. We don't have to worry because our, our life is really in his hands. He takes care of the sparrows. He will take care of us. We don't have to worry. In Philippians chapter 4, the scripture tells us to be anxious for nothing. We're to be anxious for nothing. But in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we can let our requests be made known to God. And he will hear us and he will answer us. These are the things that we need to rehearse when we are feeling these kinds of things. And you know, when we do... We will be living out the verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. Listen to what this says. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. For the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds, to demolish those weaknesses in our lives so that we can stand firm on God's word. Listen to what verse five says. We demolish arguments and every pretension, every imagination that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Listen, when we are worried and we're afraid and we're angry and we're rehearsing those things over and over in our thinking, then that is exactly what this verse is talking about. We have got to demolish those arguments. We've got to get rid of those arguments. And we've got to replace them with what God's word says because look what the end of that verse says. We demolish our arguments and every imagination or pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we have to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Look, the war is in our thinking. Most of the time, the war is in our thinking. We've got to know what God's word is so that we can combat those things that well up within us, that bubble up within us and make us want to be governed by fear or anger or anxiety. We can demolish those arguments when we replace those things with God's word instead. And when you think about it, isn't worry and fear usually just in our imaginations. Most of the things that we worry about don't ever come to pass. What if this happens? What if that happens? We just worry about all the what ifs, but those things rarely even come to pass. Why do we spend so much time worrying about them when we can place our trust in what God's word says? And then I think depression is a really big deal in our society today. So I just want to give you a couple of things that um, I think scripture can help us with in this area. Depression can be chemical in our body. It can be a chemical change in our body. And it can be something like manic depressive or a postpartum change because our hormones are completely out of whack or chemical changes in our body that cause depression. And if that's the case, sometimes medication will help. But you guys, if depression doesn't start physically, 
then medication is not what is going to permanently relieve it. If what we have is a heart issue, if our depression is an issue of the heart like guilt or despair or just hopelessness and discouragement because of the situation that we find ourselves in, these issues of the heart must be dealt with. And medication is not the safe and fast and easy road out. These things must be brought to God so that he can replace them with hope. That's exactly what we see David do in these verses. He is our living hope. God is our living hope. And when we get our attention focused on him, when we fix our mind on the truth of God and his character and what his word says, then our feelings and our emotions will get in line with the authority of God's word. Our feelings and our emotions will line up and they will do what our heart is telling them to do. Feelings and emotions brought to God will submit to the authority of God and his word. And we will find ourselves like David saying, why have I been so downcast? I can put my hope in God and I will be able to praise him. Yet even in the same situation, in the same circumstance, I will be able to praise him. How often do you allow your emotions to control your actions? How often, how much time do you spend in worry and anxiety instead of focusing your attention on the living God who can bring about hope in your situation? What thought from this lesson from Psalm 42 and 43 have you learned that you can rely on when you feel overwhelmed by your emotions? Let's pray. Lord, emotions are real and we admit that. Feelings really can take hold and, and take us to places that are so fearful and make us worry and be anxious. But Lord, I thank you for your word, how clear it is that when we feel downcast, just like David did here, when we feel disturbed in our heart, we can run to you. We can run to your presence and in your presence, our circumstances may not change, but our perspective will change. We will be able to focus our attention on you and what your word says instead of our fear and our anxiety and our worry and our depression. Lord, I pray, especially for any woman listening today that may feel like this right now, I pray that you would show her the exact verse from your word that she can use to replace that fear or anxiety or depression. Lord, that you would give her the very confidence in your word that she needs. And Lord, that when she begins to do that and she begins to cast down those things in her thinking and she begins to bring her thinking into the obedience of Christ instead of just letting it run rampant in feelings, Lord, that she'll see the difference. Lord, that you'll show her the difference that it makes when we do that. And Lord, I thank you that your word is full of real people that are desperate, that are anxious, that are fearful, because it shows us, Lord, that we're regular people just like them, and that if you could help them to come to a place where they didn't have to feel like that, and they didn't have to be governed by their emotions, that, Lord, we can come to a place that we can feel confident in you and full of faith in our heart and ready to do what you're calling us to do. Put 
our faith fully in you so that we can praise you. Even in the midst of our situation, we can praise you. Father, we bring you the sacrifice of praise. And we thank you for all that your word gives us. In Jesus' precious, high and lifted up, holy above all others. In the name of Jesus, amen.